Welcome. This is Alps in Brief, the podcast that comes to you from the historic Florence building in beautiful downtown Missoula, Montana. I'm Mark Bassingthwaite, the risk manager here at Alps, and joining me today is David Bell, our CEO. And David, uh, maybe can we take just one minute or so here uh, for uh, listeners that may not know a bit about who you are, what your background is. I'd, I'd love to have you just share a little bit because I think your 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 background and experience is relevant to where we're going to go today in our conversation. Sure. Well, thanks, Mark, first, and it's a pleasure to be speaking with you. And uh, I guess the, the short version of my short history is I, I uh, started my career in insurance out of college with Chubb. And um, with that, in a, in, a, in a large company with a long history and a long vision for the future. And then after uh, moving up through various roles in, uh, at Chubb, uh, after 9-11, uh, Chubb AIG and Goldman Sachs um, started a joint venture, and I went with Chubb's Capital to um, to start that. And over the course of the next decade plus, we took that organization uh, uh, independent from its founding shareholders, public, and uh, was ultimately sold. And in 2012, we moved back to Montana, where I had gone to college and my wife had been raised and had the good fortune of, uh, of joining Alps um, in 2012 and very different type of organization, very different size. I've, uh, my career before that had been in a, a big multinational company and uh, Alps is a smaller uh, domestic only company and uh, really a fascinating juxtaposition of different types of cultural priorities. Um, and uh, different types of opportunities. And so just uh, feel uh, fortunate and, uh, and blessed to have, have had this journey and to have the point in my journey be right here in this moment. Very good. You recall we uh, sat down about two years ago and spent some time discussing the, the Alps corporate vision at the time. And I thought it would be fun to kind of revisit that topic today. Uh, and if I may, I'd like to start by asking a few questions about the process uh, that you go through with us in terms of the company uh, with the hope of having this discussion and, and example serve as a concrete example to others wanting to learn sort of the how-tos of putting their own vision in place. Um, and, you know, before we really even start to dig into this, would I be correct in assuming that the success that you found uh, in the the large uh, multinational uh, setting, as well as the Alps setting, you're contrasting these two as very different setting. But does does vision have a role? Do you do you feel that that was uh, significant in terms of your of your success in both uh, both spaces? One hundred percent. And even when the vision is quite different. As they as they ha- have been uh-huh. in, over the course of my journey, uh, not having one is is dangerous, and I think will you know would lead to a rudderless ship type of of a, of approach organizationally. Even if you feel like you're generally going in the right direction, if yeah. if if you have a community of people, whether that community is is, is two or three or two or three thousand. Uh, if they're not rowing in the same direction with some sense of rhythm, then um, success would only come by accident, and that's not a really good plan. 
I, I like that. I really do. I, I, I want to come back to that here in just a moment. Uh, can we start just by having you share some of the highlights, whatever you feel comfortable sharing in terms of, of the Alps vision for 2020? Sure. Well, the Alps vision for 2020 is more of our strategic operational objectives. When, when you have a vision for the short term, this 12-month duration, it, it's more actionable, quantifiable, um, executable milestones. Mm-hmm. And so I would describe the vision as, as how, does, the, how do, do, does the success of those fold up more broadly into an intermediate and longer term vision? And that pertains to the vision as respects where the organization is going. I mean, why, why are we laboring as hard as we are and making sacrifices personally with time and otherwise to be here to try to strive to be better? There has to be a reason, and it, and it has to be beyond monetary yes. and in order to, to affect people, uh, particularly people at all levels, because you're going to have folks at the at the managerial level who are very much privy to the discussion around the why and the vision. And then you're going to, you're going to have people who are just, are just doing their job every day and they don't have the benefit of the philosophical discussions as to why. And so the vision needs to be as relevant for them as it is for the vision creators. And so um, the 2020 vision is a puzzle piece that is simply the beginning of the equation for the intermediate and longer term vision of, of why are we doing what we're doing. And, and people, we're, we're all conditioned as humans to first and foremost think, how does this affect me? What's in it for me? And so I, I think from a managerial perspective, we would be wise and probably have an obligation to go to that place first. Uh-huh. If we're really going to think about this as it is seen through the filter of everybody else individually is why is this relevant to everybody who's here and why should they care and sacrifice in order to realize this vision and how how bought in are they to the vision and how much is the vision a, a function of their own engagement and involvement and contribution what i hear and i love that it seems to me that part of this is is really kind of trying to give some meaning and purpose at at the individual level, all the way to the corporate level. You know, in terms of these whys, and and, and I, I like that. They're very very good. I think this next question kind of relates to where you're what you've been sharing, but I I, I would like to be very specific about it in terms of uh, some clarity. It, it, what is the value? from a business sense, um, and perhaps personal sense of having a corporate vision. And I, I think we've hit that some, but I, I, I'd, I'd like sort of a concrete statement. Sure. Well, I would break that down into two different categories. Mm-hmm. Okay. The value of having a vision about the core values, meaning the cultural values of an organization, I think is essential. And in fact, the Frankly, it's it's more important than the financial and operational vision because if you get the cultural values vision right, the the rest of it will more naturally fall in place. If you don't get it right, 
it's, it would be very difficult to successfully execute on operational and financial objectives if the if the if at its core the culture has a cancer in it. Yeah. And so yeah. you, you have to start with the cultural side, and I think never more so than now when the labor force is increasingly made up of purpose-driven people, uh, people who um, have an absolute expectation that there is something broader than a paycheck that's part of this compact. Mm-hmm. And so, um, uh, the, you know, the cultural, the cultural vision, the cultural value that we've established at, at Alps is intentionally very simple. You know, we, we, we ask ourselves four questions, and these questions, they, they are prominently placed around our environment, but it's not... You know, it's not kind of a, a sentence written on a wall for the purposes of uh, of, of of marketing. It yeah. is really supposed to serve as the litmus test through which not just the words that we speak, but ideally the thoughts that we have are filtered through that litmus test. And and they are quite simply: uh, Is it the truth? Uh, mm-hmm. Is it fair? Uh, does it benefit our people and the company? And does it help us make a profit? Right. And you know, we didn't hire. Uh, you know, a fancy consultant to help us come up with those. I'm sure they could be worded more eloquently if, if uh, in some ways, but it is um, at its basic level, the most honest, uh, intentional approach to say, what are some things that, that we want to exhibit as individuals working in community that if we said, you know, if, if we strive towards these four things, will life be better for all of us and, and and i think we think the answer is yes if we yeah. if we are very if we're committed to telling one another the truth and we are committed as an organization to speaking the truth externally uh, even when it's uncomfortable then um, it doesn't mean that every day will be rainbows and unicorns but every day will be a day that we can feel proud about um about what we've done yes and you know that that type of thing is important to people um, to have worth in their in their role. And the, the second is, you know, is it fair? You know, now fair fairness is a subjective measurement. Uh, so one person's idea of fair is not the same as the other person's idea is fair. And so, what this what the question of is it fair means is, do you as an employee of this company? Have, a, have confidence that the underlying motivation of the decision maker is to, is to strive for fairness. It doesn't mean that we're always perfect or that we mm-hmm. get it right all the time as it pertains to decisions about our own people internally or, or the, the endeavors that we have with the, our constituents and the people around us. Uh, we don't claim to be right 100% of the time, but we are always trying to be fair and we aren't afraid to, to 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 pull back and correct ourselves if we feel we've jumped off course yeah and so the it's the pursuit of fairness and then you know the, the third and fourth are, are are somewhat kind of unapologetic um affirmations of, of of the reality does it benefit the third one is does it benefit our people and the company i mean there is a, uh, a you know kind of an unapologetic self-interest that we have as an organization like is is what we're spending our time and money on um, going to benefit the people here and and this organization because if it's not then we should be thoughtful about um, 
how we how we allocate those resources. Mm-hmm. And then fourth, uh, does it help us make a profit? Right. I think you know the need to make a profit can't be understated. Uh, it's very intentionally on the list, and it's also intentionally not first. Yes, uh, it is. It is there, and um, and we shouldn't gloss over the reality that without um, financial solvency and financial strength, we are not able to accomplish all of our other goals. And so we we should keep a really sharp eye on that question. But we also don't wake up uh, and work our days simply and solely for the purpose of making a profit because there's there, there's candidly no inspiration in that long term right. for anybody. Right. Uh, and so th- those are those are four of the the cultural values. You know, we and in, in, in our recent vision meeting, we, you know, we asked we asked what we what we don't want just so we can keep an idea of of what we do want by by acknowledging characteristics that many of us have seen exhibited in other companies mm-hmm. or, or or read about or watched, um, and I think it's 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 healthy to spend just a few moments um, in discussion about what we don't want, just so we we call it for what it is. We put a label on it. Don't want that, right? And yeah. and some of those there's just there's just five of them that we talked about in the most recent meeting, which was you know a quote unquote corporate culture where you're you know you're just a job, you're 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 a number, you're a commodity, you can be you know, unplugged and somebody else plugged in there. That's, yeah. that's not inspiring if you feel like um, like you are commoditized. And so we don't want that. Um, we don't want uncertainty from the from the fear or concern of financial instability, right? But it's one of the reasons why making a profit and financial success is is uh, on our top four that we do because it gives people a sense of, of calm and confidence in everything else that they're doing, knowing that we do this from a position of strength um, you know, third, we, we don't want we don't want me people. We want we people, and um, and you know we acknowledged in our discussion that as you know I'll just speak for myself as as human beings I am a inherently selfish person right my default my default position is one of self interest and selfishness uh, I believe that that's just the way that that we were created. And so, in order to not be a me and be a we, we have to consciously, you know, fight against that and 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 be thinking first and foremost about the people around us. Yeah. And then another is it's you know we don't want that to have a kind of it's not that's not my job mentality. I mean, if the coffee needs to be changed, yeah, I should change the coffee. It doesn't matter who you are. If you come across it and it needs to be done. Then you should do it, and 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 you should do it comfortable that other people um, do the same thing. And then finally, and this is uh, this is really important, uh, gossip, right? I mean, gossip is a cancer oh, yes. that um, that can uh, debilitate companies, and so uh, we are almost transparent to a fault, and in large part in an effort to preempt any type of uh, of gossip. And so those are things that that you don't want. And then that quickly leads you to this the type of of cultural vision that you do want, and um, you, you you want folks that just take initiative. If you when when people see a problem, they address it. When people have an idea about something that can be done better than the way we're doing it today, the first in- instinct should be action. The first thought should be empowerment that I can I, I have an idea that I think would would benefit others. And I know that I work for a company that that idea can be put into 
you know, put in motion in a, in a relatively short period of time. You want to be a solution provider, both for your for our folks internally and for um, our customers, right? We we have a we have a business where we have a, a finance department and and other and HR department, and we have we have depart, legal department departments where their constituents, their consumers, are internal. They're they're our own people, are your customer, and then we have departments. Um, the business development and account managers and others who are external and claims who are external facing and they are uh, their clients are our our policyholders our customers and so we want to be solution providers for everybody um, you know we finally and we're just kind of wrapping up here on the on the cultural what you do want you want this you want this to be a fun place to work and I'm not suggesting for a second that this is, you know, Disney World, and that every day is like a vacation. And um, you know, I, I, I know the adage, right? If you if you find a job that you love, you'll never work another day in your life. I, I personally don't subscribe to that. I, I, I think you know we can be honest about the fact that we come to our jobs um, because it's a living, and we get paid for it, and hopefully it provides the means through which we can pursue some of our other passions in life. Hopefully it is not the singular. Um, interest in your life, I think that would be unhealthy. And so, uh, but we, we we are involved in a serious business. We 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 take risks. We make promises. Um, you know, there's there's lots of law and finance in what we do. But we should still be able to have fun. We should yes. not take ourselves too seriously. We should be self-deprecating, um, and 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 people should, you know, not feel guarded. I think we do. And I think as we talked about this as in the all-company meeting, I think the sense amongst our our staff is that we do a pretty good job at that. Um, and you want you want people around you to want you to win. Um, yeah. you, you, I think whether it's our who we're working next to or our marriage or our friendships, you know, you, you want to be in community with people who are quote for you, who are who genuinely want to to, to see you succeed and to and to enter your success with you. Yeah. And then, um, you know, again, you know, just from a, a, a vision perspective, size through diversification, right? I mean, in our business, there is strength in size and there is there is strength and protection in diversification. Mm-hmm. And so that, that is something that we're quite intentional about. Um, and we want to, you know, we want everybody finally to just know that they're supported, whether they're in our home office uh, in Missoula or in uh, any one of our number of re- remote locations around the country. I mean, whether you know I get to see you physically regularly on a day-to-day basis, or whether you're in Atlanta, Georgia, um, or Richmond, Virginia, or or any of the other uh, places, you should feel like you are as uh, valued, and that and that the resources you're giving to succeed are as high a priority as anyone else. So the you know, those are cultural, those are cultural vision checkpoints. And I, I would suggest that if, if we are wildly successful on, on making all of those real in the lives of everybody that work here, we will be and continue to be the best legal malpractice carrier mm-hmm. in the country. And, and candidly, we would be the best at anything we were doing, right? If we, if we, for whatever reason, stopped doing this and started doing something else, 
as a as an organization full of people working together, yeah. we would do that well too. And, and so, I, so, I, I, I agree. I agree. Let me sort of share, just speaking personally for a moment. You know, I have participated as as all of us at Alps have at the all company meetings and and talking about these things. And I I like you're sharing the. The, the point of the discussion where, you know, folks, what don't we want, you know? And, and I think taking risks like that to, to look, uh, to, to invite uh, these kinds of discussions really enables people to, um, to make it real. Um, you know, I, I, I describe our culture what we do, and I think at an individual level as well as a, uh, a company-wide level, we are really striving to be, and I think we accomplish this, to be authentic and intentional in our actions, um, even in terms of just how we interrelate with each other, how we interrelate with our uh, customers. Um, I'll share, David, you know, for... Uh, many years, I would sign my email as you're emailing with different uh, customers, you know, internal and external, you know, Mark and things like that. But uh, in, in more recent years, I, I have a signature. I'll, I'll say, you know, please don't hesitate to reach out if, if, I, if there's anything else I can do. Uh, but I'm more and more adding uh, if I can be of service to you. And, and I really take great pride in, and, and I think I am not alone or unique in this. I'm not, you know, I, 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 I take pride in, that's my experience of who and what Alps is, that, that we do um, take joy and pride in being in service to others in, in what we do. So I, I, I'm just trying to uh, give uh, our listeners a, a sense of what you're talking about is being uh, internalized and and uh, uh, taken up by those that you're trying to share the vision with. But can can I ask what is your process? You know, when you sit down and think about vision, you know what. Any any thoughts to share? Insights? Is this something that's very organic? Uh, very, you know, how do you go about it? Sure. Well, the the cultural vision is uh, an exercise of really drawing on both my personal experiences with positive cultures and destructive cultures. And then being in discussion with others internally in this company and and just externally people who you who you just benefit from talking about their experiences and and taking the good and the bad and then um, coming up with a vision of what what you want to pursue and so I, I think it is it is generally in in a in a constant state of evolution mm-hmm. uh, in that it's kind of being refined but at its at its heart, the you know truth and fairness, and um, those are kind of time-tested, immovable virtues for for a company. And so, you know, when you hear people, when you do some of these things well, 
and we are by no means perfect. Um, that's uh, in, in fact we we make mistakes regularly and we strive to be better. And the fact that we feel like we get better means that we've always got room <laughs> to improve. But when you do these things well, yeah. and you as you hire people and they're exposed to this culture for the first time as an employee, and they come from reputable companies, competitors or otherwise, and, and you listen to you listen to them as they describe their experiences here, it's it's really inspiring. And it makes you want to make it better, refine it more, because uh, you know you kind of feel like you're really onto something. And um, and it does it does tap into you know, a, a, a part of the psychology uh, for all of us that just numbers alone, I, I don't think can can tap into. Mm-hmm. I, I think you and I have seen this over the years uh, in terms of our, our professional experiences um, and looking at competitors and, and whatnot. But I think... Businesses, corporations, small law firms, you know, you can come up and create uh, a good vision and, and I think have, have something that's, that's pretty solid and, and yet it, it, it doesn't go anywhere. The, the vision fails for lack of a better uh, reason. You know, it just it never gets implemented perhaps. Um, why do you think that is? What gets in the way of, uh, in terms of your experiences, what gets in the way of success with a vision? Any thoughts about that? Uh, well, that's that, that's a great one, and um, I, I suppose there are risks that a, a vision is established, but it's not a core conviction, and so it's not front of mind. You know, when I when we first started this discussion, Mark. I, I talked about the four cultural vision points, yes. the truth and fairness, and I described those as the the litmus test, the lens through which you know all things should be filtered. And you you really have to whatever your whatever your vision is for your small firm or your family um, or your nonprofit, that's you know if it's not important enough that it will resonate with you and with everyone else such that it's front of mind in all thoughts and actions, yeah. then there's a real danger that you drift away from it. I think I think that's one risk because you can have a, a, a strategy session with the people who you work with and um, two weeks later, no one could even quote a single sentence of what was discussed in that. I have been through that right? <laughs> more than and, once, and, yes. And, and <laughs> you know, I'm sure there is value in those types of, of, of days but it really needs to be something that people are are genuinely bought into, yeah. and and so I think drifting away from it is is one risk. A, a second risk that I uh, suggest, and I've experienced this in my various failures to pursue certain vision elements. Uh, I think almost a vision, like most other things, can be distilled down to a project needing project management, right? If you have a, a certain vision characteristic, you need to disaggregate it into its pieces, put it in a line sequentially of what needs to be done, and then manage it towards that goal. A, a vision is a point that if you slice it into 10 sub points, and then 
line them up from where you are right now to what would realize that vision, then you kind of methodically and actionably check off on those things. And, and I, I think sometimes we, we think of visions in the softer context. Yes. And so it, it doesn't, we're not as disciplined at project managing our way, methodically checking off certain actions or behaviors that are um, marching towards realizing that vision. And, and then, then we wake up one day disappointed that, uh, that we haven't realized the vision. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think, you know, when I look back on my own career over the years, where it has failed, there, there tends to be, we come up with this vision, and then you sort of say to the front line, to, to, to the bulk of the company, you know, implement this and do it. And there's no tools, there's no, and, it, you know, it's not a bottom-up kind of process in my mind. When you try the bottom up, it fails. It has to be a top down in the sense that, that in, in the Alps uh, uh, example here, you and and upper management really do genuinely live and uh, exemplify the vision just in in, in the day to day interactions with everybody that you interact with, again, internally and externally. And, and I think that is, is also key to some of this. It, it, you, know, you have to walk the talk. Uh, that's, that's been my experience anyway. Yeah, well, thank you. I, I appreciate that observation. And, you know, there are aspects of a, of a vision that need to be top down. Because in some ways, that's the charge of, the, of leadership is to yes. be cre- spending time thinking and deciding about vision, but the, the vision is carried out by everyone else. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you, you know, if you just, you know, in an autocratic uh, kind of way, you know, instruct people on what they're going to do when, uh, that generally is not a recipe for success. But if you go to, if you go to the folks who are going to be executing and say, this is, this is the vision, can you do this? Do you have the resources necessary for you to accomplish this? And how long do you think reasonably it will take under an aggressive timeline for you to get it done? Mm-hmm. And, if, and, if the, and if the people are engaged in just being asked if they're prepared to sign up for this vision, uh, being asked yeah. if, they, if they have been armed with the resources to fulfill what they've just committed to, and just being asked how long they realistically think it's going to take, <laughs> those are not particularly complex questions, but it's amazing the difference of whether or not you you go through those other steps and ask those questions versus just barking out an instruction to people who then look at you as though you're hopelessly unrealistic about what what act what it actually takes to get these things done. Right. I, I, I absolutely agree with you. And, and the way I describe that is there's a difference between allowing uh, the the workforce, however you want to define that, to Allowing them the opportunity to own the vision, giving them tools, explaining, uh, you know, those kinds of things versus having a, a sort of the dictator approach, you know, this is the vision, make it happen, and, you know, I'm out. It has to be owned from top to bottom. And, and again, I, I think that's another key reason why Alps has been successful at this. I'd like to switch just a little bit. Um, 
Wellness and well-being has been a significant issue, uh, as you're well aware, uh, but particularly in the legal profession in recent years. Uh, and Alps has been involved in the the uh, national movement to uh, put together some uh, uh, some emphasis on well-being and some resources. Uh, and it, it's been an exciting time. Uh, and I think Alps has done internally a, a good job at, at focusing on well-being. Do you see, is, is there a connection, is there a relationship between the vision that you have, the vision that, that Alps is, uh, has embraced here, and wellness, a, a wellness, a well-being component? Is, is there a connection there at all, or in, in your mind, is that sort of separate topics? No, I, I think there's, there's very much a connection between the, the vision and the cultural priorities and wellness in general, because whether it's, you know, at Alps specifically where we happen to employ a lot of people who um, are attorneys and have been in their prior lives practicing attorneys yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and the legal community that we ensure, that's, um, you know, the, obviously the, the wellness category is uh, if the legal profession is pretty well documented I mean, yeah right. you know mental health substance abuse uh, uh, physical um, well-being um, stress in the job I mean the, the, the role of the attorney is is um, one where people can can quite literally and often do work themselves to death because there really is not a governor on on um, you know what it when it becomes un, unhealthy and so I think having, and I think this, you know, small firms and solo practitioners are pre- perhaps even most susceptible to it. They don't really have the check and balance of a lot of other people yes. in an organizational right. structure. And so, um, I think there's similarities between the community of of people of twenty thousand odd people that we insure all around the country and the people that are within this organization itself. And I think wellness is it is really important. It's it's a tricky one because the cause and effect of what you what you spend time on and what you spend money on and how that um, correlates directly to measurable wellness outcomes is very difficult. And so I'm a big metric fan and, and I tend to rely much of my decision making on, on data of some sort. And the, the data there is a little bit harder to pin down. But you you just you just know that there is a correlation and that that correlation is um, is necessary, even if it's not as mathematical as some of the other decision points mm-hmm. uh, that, that drive our business. One final little uh, question I'd like to throw your way. Um, before I ask it, I, I need to explain something to the listening audience here. Uh, in recent years, David has taken the time to meet individually with every single employee in the company. And it is uh, what we call uh, coffee talk. And uh, it's just a sit down for however long it, it, uh, the, the conversation goes. There's no rules on the conversation. You can talk about anything you want. Um, so I'm going to ask the question, why do you do or not, not, what is the value of coffee talk to you? That's a it's a great question, and something as simple as a uh, 
45 minute uh, conversation shouldn't have uh, as many and as complicated um, a benefit and reason as it does. But I, I, I get the benefit of a lot of information from those discussions. And it's also a great opportunity for um, me to, to help demonstrate in our flat managerial structure that, that we aren't a hierarchy, that everybody has access to everybody else and that no manager should have any apprehension about you know, me having a discussion and I should have an appropriate level of deference in, in the role that the manager is tasked with not to do anything to undermine them by, by having this direct one-on-one conversation uh, with, with, their, with their staff member. But I, I learn a ton about what makes people tick, what's important to them. I, I get a, a ton of information about where there are obstacles in the day-to-day aspects of people's jobs uh, obstacles that are not that difficult to remove, but they, but for whatever reason, it just it, it kind of helps to, to to talk about it and um, enlist some some assistance. Uh, I also um, I, p- I pick up a lot of of uh, um, personal context of the of the journey that people go through, and this is perhaps the most valuable aspect of this. You know, in my old life. Uh, in the in the role that I had before, I was the COO of a large publicly traded yes. multinational insurance company, and so I, I just didn't have the benefit of of knowing people personally. I, you know, I didn't want people to be a number, but there just wasn't really another another option. I, I didn't have context of the life of that person in London or in New York in the decisions that I was making, and so um, there's a real there's a real blessing to being in an organization of this size where you really get to put your thumb on the pulse of these people and the journey that they're going through and how their profession intersects with that, where it intersects positively, where it creates challenges. And so um, it really makes the whole, the whole game more of a human one. Uh, But, but it, but it is, um, it is a pain to schedule. I mean, I mean, just you know, if you just be honest about the the challenge. It's um, you know, I, I had two coffee talks today, and I, and they were both they were so different, and they were both great. Um, but you know, when you start when I'm traveling, and so these are generally done unless I'm in one of our other locations with another employee. Um, I'm generally doing these when I'm here, and so it, it is not an insignificant commitment of time. But it is uh, um, a commitment that yields a uh, a result in return that makes it well worth it in my mind. Yeah, I would agree. And you know, let me share again for our, our listening audience here why I think coffee talk is is valuable. And at the end of the day, it really just boils down to when you couple it with emphasis on well-being, um, the the corporate meetings we have, get together and have these discussions, but. There's a two-way street in play here, and it's when a corporation, through management and even you, David, as CEO, take the time to personally invest in the employees, it, it creates the opportunity again for the employees to reciprocate and invest personally in, in the, the vision and the mission of, of what the corporation is doing, what Alps is doing. And, and I, in my mind, I think that's just a huge uh, 
invitation. It's something that it's, I see that as fundamental to, to the success of implementing the vision and really keeping things uh, moving forward so that we're not drifting, to use your word. It, you know, you're keeping the pulse on us, but we're also keeping the pulse on, on you uh, as representative of the corporation. Um, you know, it's just so, it's, it's really good stuff. Well, folks, we are out of time. David, I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, sit down and visit a little bit. It's always a pleasure when we get together. Uh, and I hope for those of you listening that you can appreciate. I, I, I thought this would be valuable because it, it's a real-world example of how when a thought leader creates a vision and, and has the ability and um, desire, intent, energy to, to, to implement this, you really can have some tremendous Success, and I don't think that you know that these kinds of processes aren't limited to you know a corporation. This can happen in a three-man law firm. Uh, so uh, I hope you found something of value. Thanks for listening, folks. It's it's a good one. So long. <laughs>